I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of A Finer Test Construction, and we are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT is a local commercial and residential general contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our clients, industry, and network. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Today on the podcast, we're fortunate to host Maury Shawaki. And Maury and I met at the LinkedIn Global Conference last September in New Jersey, just outside of Manhattan. And I was blown away the first time I met Maury. We were actually on the same panel, and I was fortunate to just download as much information as I could from him that entire evening. And a little background on Maury. So Maury was a presenter on the Shark Tank. I mean, he has an amazing background, which we'll dive into on the podcast today in sales and marketing and and, uh, entrepreneurship. And he was one of the top sellers on Shark Tank and is the only presenter to actually work for one of the sharks. So now he is the right-hand man uh, of Damon John and works for Damon. And we dive into just how that came to be. But one of the most important things that Maury shared is we spoke a lot about sales and marketing. And he had mentioned there's two things that are really key, persistence and relationship. You know, persistence is everything. You're going to see that from this episode, how persistent Maury is. And also the relationship. You know, people will buy from people they like. And that's so important to understand. How do you build connections? How do you build a culture? How do you build a relationship with with the clients that you're trying to sell to? Or if you're a supplier or trade partner, how do you work with the general contractor designer? How do you build those relationships? So Maury gives some great advice to that. And also we really dive into LinkedIn. You know, many of you from this podcast, or I should say from the podcast that we've spoken a lot about LinkedIn and have gained some information. And a lot of you have already reached out about beefing up your LinkedIn profile. I assure you that after this episode with Maury, you're going to do so even more. Just as Aaron Witt mentioned a few episodes ago, you know, Maury really dove into the value of LinkedIn the research and development that can be done, the homework that we can all do before we make our presentation and then really understand more about the person that we're speaking to. So utilize LinkedIn, beef up that profile. And again, really enjoy this episode. The more he provided such valuable information. So big thanks to him for joining us today. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Sub-Zero Group Southwest. As I've mentioned, they're a big partner of ours. We love everything about them. They are right here next to our office and have been invaluable to our customer base. So if you're starting a new kitchen project, the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom. No matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is ready to assist you throughout your entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom in North Scottsdale quite often as it's just around the corner from my office, so it's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with a showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliances might look like in their home. The best part is that the consumers can interact with the product, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of a showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring a vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast today. 
We're grateful to have Maury Shawaki with us. So welcome, Maury. Very nice to be here, Brad. How are you today? Uh, you know, I'm doing very good. It's uh, It's been a whirlwind. As you know, we've both kind of been dealing with this COVID stuff. And I know you're uh, reaching out from my homeland there in San Diego. So uh, I understand you're in good shape, which is good. Been staying active. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I got to be honest. I, it's like when all this stuff went down, you know, I mean, I'm a guy that's on the normally on the road four or five days a week. And I haven't traveled since, you know, early March. And so, you know. I figured I got to do something to uh, keep myself and my wife and kids sane now that I'm here so much. And, um, you know, I really, um, you know, all kidding aside, I, I really made a commitment to my health over COVID. And I've been working out like pretty much four or five days a week, running and weights and all that. And I'm in the best shape of my life, actually. So that COVID-15 went the other way. <laughs> you know, I love that. It's funny you said that because I think most of us, you know, I can relate. You and I met at the LinkedIn Global Conference, you know, in New mm-hmm. Jersey last fall. Yep. You know, we were both on the panel and, and I was fortunate to meet you there at that conference. But what's been interesting, my schedule's changed too. I was doing a lot of traveling, you know, at least twice a month and that's totally been stopped. So it's kind of allowed us to kind of reevaluate priorities and focuses. And as you mentioned, your health, which is a huge part of, you know, all of us should be looking at that. Mm-hmm. I think God just hit the pause button for a reason, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's pretty inspiring to see what's going on with, you know, some people and just, you know, their reconnection with their families. I mean, there's a lot of hurt in the world right now. I mean, let's Mm -hmm. not kid ourselves. There's some crazy shit going on. But I'm just I've always tried very, very hard to be an optimist focus on them right now. And, you know, I woke up this morning and I was breathing fine. What else is there, man? Yeah, a lot to be grateful for. What else is there? My kids are healthy. My wife is healthy. You know, I've I've got some income, even though it's, you know, a little topsy-turvy right now. And, uh, you know, got good friends and family and a roof over my head, man. I mean, I've got nothing to complain about. I heard last week from somebody who's in Vegas that they're lifting the ban on evictions and that like 300,000 people were going to be evicted and given 10 days notice. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. Right? What do you do with that? you got all of a sudden a big homeless population that you didn't have yeah. before. I don't know, man. It's it's like, you know, so I'm, I'm just trying to be there for others as much as I can be, you know. Um, you know, and enjoy this time with my kids because, you know, they're teenagers and they're going to be gone in the blink of an eye. And so I figure, you know what, for whatever reason, you know, you know some higher power said you need a five-month-long, six-month-long summer vacation with your kids. Okay. You know, so I'm trying to do a lot of good family time and, you know, and and also be, you know, self-educate. Like, I think this is just an unprecedented time of quiet. And, you know, so many people are answering the phone that don't usually because they're not traveling and they're bored and they want somebody to talk to. So, you know, this is a great time to, you know, I think self-explore and, and educate and, you know, not the time to be, you know, sitting and watching Netflix if you really want to do something with your life. And plus, you know, I think this was a great exposure for a lot of businesses. If you were just getting by, you're done. You know, mm-hmm. if you were set up already to kind of work remotely and convert remotely and social media and e-commerce and necessary goods or you, you know, pivoted quickly. I mean, I heard about like a lot of like, you know, alcohol companies, you know, spirits that, you know, switch their entire operations to hand sanitizer, that kind of thing. I mean, those are those are amazing stories. And when we come out of this thing, whenever we come out of this thing, you know, 
a year, year and a half, two years from now really come out of it. I mean, they're going to be some very wealthy people who thought real hard what to do when the party starts. I love that you kind of teed that up, Maury, because, you know, in any time there's and, – and a lot of that's your entrepreneurship mentality, right, sales, which we'll dive into because your story is incredible. I mean, it fascinated me when we met and some of the things you said out at the conference. But what's interesting is you start thinking about that is successful business people, successful entrepreneurs, it's typically – when times are difficult, you know, companies that are very successful start in recessions. They start in tough times, or at least they may be operating, but they pivot, right? It is so important. And you have a lot of experience in sales, marketing, branding, you know. So um, with all that experience, you know, you're a phenomenal salesperson, Maury. So if you were training someone or looking at someone to be good at sales or help them, you know, what are some points you'd give them? You know, before we start diving into the pivot side of a business that you have experience in, but from a sales perspective, you know, what are some attributes or what should some be doing to be a better salesperson? Yeah, it's funny that you say that. It's very ironic because in exactly one hour, um, one of my son's best friends who's 18 years old, who just started selling knives with one of those Cutgo or whatever companies, asked me if he could pitch me. And he's like, I know you're not going to buy a knife. But he literally <laughs> asked me if he could pitch me so that I could help him hone his sales skills. Um, so this is going to be good practice for what I'm going to tell him in an hour on another zoom meeting. Um, you know, uh, for me, it always comes down to two things, persistence and relationship. Um, you know, I think a lot of people forget that people like doing business with people they like and people, you know, like buying from people they like. And, you know, my, my sort of you know mantra has always been that the best business relationship is a friendship with a piece of paper mm-hmm. so i think you know my biggest piece of advice would be don't be lazy and really you know look look into the person that you're trying to sell to and just take a minute to step back from your agenda and just get to know them just get to know them you know um my wife is a recruiter she recruits um, temporary um, nurses and hospital techs. And right now with COVID, it's like crazy. I mean, they travel, they go all over the country, whatever. And, you know, I hear her. She's on the phone 12 hours a day, yapping, yapping and yapping and yapping. And I'm like, you know, wow. And and I remember that her, you know, she went, I once asked her, I'm like, does, is how much you talk to these people, you know, a negative? She said, it's, it's funny. She talked to her boss about it the other day and boss is like, could you maybe cut down on the conversation a little? She's like, I think I could. But number one, it's not going to be as fun for me because I love getting to know these people. And number two, look at my numbers. She's one of the top recruiters. So, you know, relationship is incredibly important. And just there's so much on the Internet. If you don't know who the person is that you're talking to, where they went to school, where they live, you know, peek at some of their social media profiles. I don't know. I mean, there's so much out there. You know, you need to open up a new file. That was a term that Damon taught me um, a long ago. And, you know, uh, we'll talk about him in a minute, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's kind of when you when you first sit down with somebody that's being pitched by 100 people, how do you how do you differentiate yourself? You know, open up something different. You know, you got a basketball behind you. I mean, maybe I've researched that basketball and I can tell you a little story about that before I even start talking to you because that opens up a file that makes me a little different a little unique you're going to remember me because of that um the other part would be persistence i mean sales is a tough game and you know people ask me all the time like how many times do you call 
before you stop trying? I don't know that there's an answer to that question unless they tell you, get the hell away or I'm going to call the cops. If it's that important to you, (laughs) keep going because these people are busy and you never know when you're going to hit them. You never know when you're going to call and they're going to pick up or or what they're dealing with that all of a sudden makes the product that you're selling relevant at that very moment. And it wasn't last week because they had another fire to deal with. So relationship, persistence and just being being likable people, you know, it's like, you know, you, 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 the resume gets you the interview, but what gets you the job? Do I like you? Do I want to sit across from you for the next, you know, five years of my life, eight hours a day? You know, that's, I think, you know, a really important thing. And, and likability, I do think can be taught. So those are my three sort of, you know, that's phenomenal advice, Maury. It's funny you say that, you know, I think about some of the things you mentioned and, and I think about, from my perspective, you know, as I'm pitching or selling my brand or company to a client, or you flip that and I look at, you know, trade partners and customers and suppliers that are pitching to me to use their product or brand. And and there's a few things you said there, you know, you talked about the people, people who they like, they're going to buy from, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so important to understand because most of us in this world want to do business with people that are like-minded, that are similar, that we get along with, right? Because it doesn't matter the industry. It's still, this world's a tough world. It's a tough industry. And, you know, it's tough to do business. It's tough to do customer service and make the client happy. So if you're working with people that are on the same page and are wanting you to be successful and help you, you know, find those pain points, you know, that, that that's going to help you build and, and sell, right? Which is the end goal there. And I love that you also said you talked about the persistence because I've seen the persistence where it's not so much... I. I'm sure you can relate more because you have a very big LinkedIn presence. You know, you have a big network and I'm sure there's people they connect with you and right away they're like, okay, Maury, I have this and they're soliciting to you right away. And it's a turnoff. It it drives me crazy. I can't tell you. I, and I accept, I don't know that I should do this, but I accept every connection request I get. Yeah. Because you know what? I give everybody a shot, but I'll tell you what, the minute I, I accept and the very next thing is I'm the owner of a company. I'm like done. That's it. You didn't yeah. you didn't even say hello to me. Yeah. You didn't you didn't say why you connected with me. And then my favorite thing is when they say something along the lines of, oh, we, you know, we've researched you and you th- we think you'd be a great client. You know what the first thing I do is I go to my profile and I say, who's viewed my profile? If they haven't viewed my profile, you're full of shit. <laughs> you know, it's just a it's just a phishing email. And I and it really drives me crazy because LinkedIn is such a incredible tool. For people who have found me and that I found, whatever, that muddies it up because sometimes I'll get ten of those and I'll miss the one that was really truly real, mm-hmm. where where they actually said something personal. And um, yeah, I, I do get a little frazzled with that, but you know, people got to do what they got to do. I just think they could still be effective. It's like cold calling, you know. I'll stop cold callers sometimes, and I'll just say, stop right there, stop reading from the damn script. What's my name? Mm-hmm. You know, what's your name? Do you know where I live? Did you ask me how I'm feeling? Did you ask me if I have time to talk to you right now? No. They got the script and they go next, 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 next. I mean, maybe that's effective in some industries, but I'll never buy from somebody like that. 
Yeah, I love that you share that. What's interesting, because social media has kind of advanced our opportunity to sell, right, and build a personality. And it's funny, the, all these successful companies I speak with that have a, a very successful brand on social media, you know, they, they do talk about that there's a personality behind there. It's that likability that you mentioned. But something you said, I think that's in addition, you said persistence, you said the relationship, you know, people are going to work with uh, people they like. But then you said research. And I think that's key for anyone looking to be successful yeah. at sales. Understand the audience, understand the person you're speaking to, do the research, do the development there behind the scenes. Because if they go to you, Maury, and and let's say, you know, you're very active on LinkedIn and other, you know, platforms, and they're supporting you, they're commenting, they're engaging, you know, they're, they're really supporting your brand per se and your personality. Well, now, if they've done the research, if they know who Maury is, and and, and there is an opportunity where you both can work together, well, they, 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 in essence, they've kind of built that relationship, as you mentioned. They've already supported you. They've been commenting and liking, and now they've done the research, and it's like, okay, you know, maybe you do have something. Now, now I'm, I'm gonna listen. I'm not just gonna turn you off. Well, it just, it just makes you feel like they've actually done their homework. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with social media, I mean, Brad, I, I, I know you went to BYU. I know what you do. You know, it's like. I, I could probably go and research your your social media profiles on Facebook, find your wife, find out what book she likes, go to Pinterest, <laughs> see what your daughter likes, find your, you know, your TikTok and this and that. I mean, it's so easy. I don't want to border on like weird stalking, but at the end of the day, if it, there's news about who you – okay, so if I'm pitching a big company and I'm pitching a certain individual at that company, well, I should know who that individual reports to. I should know what the most recent press releases are of that company. You better be damn sure if it's public. I, I need to know where the stock trend is going. I should know where their fiscal year is. It's all there. And if you haven't done the research, well, then you're just damn lazy because it's there. And so do your homework. You know, that's such great advice. So anyone listening, do your homework, right? And as you mentioned, I mean, there's so much information from all the channels. Like you can you can quickly find a lot about everybody, right? So fast. So, so let, one, let's dive in your story. That you can't Go find ahead. anything on that you worry about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so true, especially now in this digital age where everything's exposed, right? Yeah. Um, you know, before we dive in a little bit more about entrepreneurship and sales and marketing, I think it's important for our listeners to understand your background. I mean, there's a few things that fascinated me. At, you know, you talked about your experience on the Shark Tank. And I, I guess before we get into that, you know, you, before hooking up with Damon John, right, you had your own product, you were on Shark Tank, you know, but but leading up to that, were you always um, into sales, entrepreneurship? I mean, did you know that sales was, was your mantra, you know, your going to be your success story? I mean, you didn't look up what I did in my career previous to Shark Tank. <laughs> Someone didn't do their homework. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I've, um, you know, my, my career path was, uh, you know, developed very interestingly. Um, you know, I came from a family of, you know, my father was a serial entrepreneur, um, you know, lived all over the world, was you know, 10 different businesses. And, you know, even though he was very successful, he put me to work real quick. Um, you know, one of the first things I ever did was uh, I sold furniture with, at 12 years old in one of his furniture shops. And I knew the first time I got a customer to say yes to me and I, you know, rung up that credit card, I knew that's what I loved. I love selling because it, it incites an emotion, you know, let alone the revenue, which is great, but it really, it's that turning point. It's like getting a date. It's like, you know, it's the thrill of the chase. It's getting that kill. You know, I love that feeling. 
Um, after, you know, I was actually, um, you know, I spent my, my college career, I was actually a theater major and I did uh, quite a bit of stage and uh, voiceover work professionally. I didn't, I was planning on that being my career. And then in the mid nineties, um, when I was back in LA and working and, you know, doing odd jobs and I'd worked in tons of restaurants and doing all kinds of service, I always loved people. I actually got a very lucky break where I was asked to come on board to an e-commerce company in 1994 with, you know, one other person. And uh, it ended up being the first online store that sold health products ever. And it was on Prodigy. From Prodigy, we switched over to CompuServe. And then what really exploded our business was America Online. We were AOL's third store. And so I got the entrepreneurship and the tech bug, you know, in the mid 90s. We grew that business to 25,000 SKUs and seven figures and sold before the bust in 1999. Um, that was truly an amazing experience because, you know, you had a kid who really didn't have any formal business training whatsoever, who was all of a sudden being trained, you know, without a choice in coding, uh, operations, customer service, um, fulfillment, e-commerce shipping, I mean, all these types of things, inventory management. So it was a, it was a priceless education. And then from there, um, I spent the next 10 years, um, I was recruited to one of the largest vitamin manufacturing companies in the country who made private label and for everybody, Walmart, Costco, you name it. And I spent 10 years there. And that was like, you know, you go from like startup to like major, major corporate America, like, you know, Pfizer or, you know, I don't know, Unilever type, you know, and, you know, I started kind of in the e-commerce world and then I started selling to, you know, direct selling clients like Herbalife and Mary Kay. And then ultimately I got my teeth in retail and they, you know, I was selling, I mean, at one point in time I was managing like $50 million worth of business for them. And it was a terrific, terrific education. That's another thing I would tell people who are wanting to get into sales is, is know what the hell it is you're selling. Spend the time to work to get down into the depths of the factory with the people that never get people from corporate sitting next to them and ask them the questions and be their best friend because it'll serve you well later because you'll you'll know your product better than your competitor and they may do you a favor one day, you know, that you need. So um, I, I just always felt that bug and I always loved it. You know, it was always about relationship. It was about, you know, managing 20 people over here and 20 people over there and getting something done because, you know, as you well know, the, the pitch is the easy part, in my opinion. The hard part is getting, you know, a piece of paper that says $1 is going to transfer from this account to that account, especially when you're working with big corporations. That's the monster. That's, you know, the execution is everything. So, and then from there, I spent the next eight years selling software. So I've gone from, you know, kind of, you know, e-commerce startup, which was, you know, I was a partner in to working corporate America for 10 years and then a kind of a SMB type, you know, $10 million company for eight years before Shark Tank even happened. So, yeah, I mean, all that, all that experience, you know, I mean, I don't think anything happens by accident. It, it was all, it all needed to happen. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you talked about the experience. I mean, the, the common theme is you chase experience, not money. And, and what you did, you found opportunities, right? And, and it's funny you said how there was a click there when you were 12 at the furniture store with your dad, that dopamine, right? Where, you know, where you make the sell and there's that uh, that adrenaline and you're like, okay, this is a fit for me. You know, I, I know that I'm good at sales. I know I can communicate and I love that execution. And and, and to your point, it's interesting that it, it's one thing to pitch and 
you know, but to execute, that's the hard part. And then the completion. And so I, that really intrigues me, you know, from starting e-commerce in 1994, you know, I'm thinking back to 1994 where I was, you know, you know, fairly young, but we are nowhere near where we are today. And I know you're very involved with e-commerce now, you know, in today's market. And I can only imagine 25 years later, the difference there, because back then, you didn't have, not everyone was online with their credit cards and no. debit cards. And so you're trying to build through this internet e-commerce. I mean, how have you just seen that market, you know, that industry change over the last 25 years? Wow. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the modems don't make noises anymore. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> the dial-up internet, yeah. Man, I tell you, it was crazy. I mean, you know, digital photography. I mean, I remember when we got um, pulled into AOL and they said, you know, at the time we were selling like, I don't know. 200 products on Prodigy and CompuServe and AOL brought us in. They said, we really want you to have more of an inventory. And, you know, we decided that we were going to go make, you know, a strategic partnership happen. And we, we linked up with a distributor, one of these distributors that sells product to all the little small mom and pop pharmacies and hospitals and whatever, because what's great about them is they're supplying stores with one, two, three products a day. You don't need to buy huge inventory. And in e-commerce, you really want to have just-in-time inventory. You never want to have it on the shelf. So what we did with them was we, we found a distributor. We said, hey, we'd like to carry every single item in your inventory. They're like, what? You know, Because they're used to stores with 1,000 square feet. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, it's e-commerce. What? So it was really a lot of fun. And then we ultimately went in, and they allowed us into their warehouse, and we took pictures and um, transposed copy of 25,000 products. Everything from from toothpaste to vitamins to Advil to you know condoms to the, anything you can think of under the sun that these guys carried. But when you talk about what's changed, man, you see my digital camera now. That digital camera was like this big. We had to bring yeah. in these like light boxes, you know, these huge desktop computers that were slow as heck. You know, the images that we took didn't automatically correct. We had to clip them in Photoshop. I mean, each and every one changed the background. I mean, it just the mundane tasks took so much longer. And now, I mean, those mundane tasks are either done automatically through technology or you've got like these amazing virtual assistant companies that are based in India and Philippines and wherever where they are taking over all the mundane stuff. So I, I think that's the biggest, the, for me, the biggest trend besides obviously social and mobile and all these things is the fact that so much more is automated and you can really focus your time on being visionary and strategic and not worrying about the, you know, the day-to-day stuff. You know, that's interesting because today, as you mentioned, you know, I only say camera. interesting things, Brad. <laughs> well, that is true. That's why you caught my attention back in New Jersey. But uh, I'll say that it, it, it's funny with the, the camera side because that's film, right? Everyone was doing film back then. I mean, here you are, digital camera. I didn't even know they had digital cameras back in 1994. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, at that level, you know, I can't imagine the time invest, you know, time vested, you know, 25,000 products. Oh. And, and as you mentioned with the distributor now, they're not used to e-commerce. I mean, this is an, a, a new platform. And, you know, how has – you? you you know, early in the conversation, you talked about evolve. You always have to evolve and evolve and evolve. So how has, you know, fast forward to now with your e-commerce, you know, how have you kind of pivoted with what you're doing now with COVID, you know, with everything going on there? How has that changed, you know, products Man, that you're looking at, you're, you ventures know, the, you're seeking? Yeah. 
uh, overseas you know, tariffs or, you know, the manufacturing in China right. throughout the world is yeah. delaying shipping. I mean, all these things impact you from an e-commerce side. Well, you know, and and I'll, I'll clarify. I mean, we don't do a lot of our own direct-to-consumer e-commerce business, but obviously, you know, our company invests in companies that do. Yes. And uh, one of our, well, in fact, our most, well, I'm going to say this, Damon's second most successful investment in Shark Tank was Bomba Socks. Bomba Socks is a direct-to-consumer sock company that donates a pair to homeless shelters for every pair they sell, and it's the best sock ever made. When he was when when they came on Shark Tank, they were doing a few hundred thousand. Now they're doing you know I don't know two hundred million dollars a year. The only other you know, and that is now the most successful product in Shark Tank history. The only reason I say it's his second most successful venture was because I was number one. That's you were number one. My <laughs> opinion, and that's that. And it's so no, Bob but in all socks passed you up. They finally passed you up. Tell you, man, Bombas, um, they're, they're amazing. And, you know, hold on. So I, before we get into that, let's, you know, to give the listeners, for those that don't know you, let's, let's dive in. We'll come back to this, but, you know, tell us the product that you had on Shark Take that was the number one selling and, and that whole experience. I think most of us, I don't know that it did as well as Bombas, but, um, but it but was, still, uh, but we love, we love Shark Tank. And one thing yeah. you said, you know, you talked about that just because they call you doesn't mean you're going to get in and face the oh, audience no, no, investors. No, no. So talk to us through that experience and kind of. Uh, the so, so the whole process is basically, uh, you know, they start out with over 60,000 applicants. And from the 60,000 applicants, they narrow it down to about 3,000 that do what they call video pitches. And, you know, you put yourself on video and you do this pitch. From the 2,500, they invite 900 to the studio in L.A. to do what's called pre-pitch. And those people bring all their stuff, just as they were pitching the sharks, and they pitch to the producers. And from those 900, 200 get selected to come back and actually film. And from the 200, only about 120 air. So you could, you, you there's basically a 120 out of 60,000 chance that you're going to get on, and you can actually film, do everything, make a deal, the whole nine yards, and never see the light. Wow. So uh, my product was actually a, a fun product called the Hanukkah tree topper. Yeah, um, I was the guy that took a uh, Jewish star and put it on top of a Christmas tree and patented it. It was never about the money. It was just, you know, about my own family and just and, wanting something. Yep. And then, you know, I started to see the market and the vision for it. And uh, I realized, you know, that there was a million, million and a half uh, households that were like mine in the U.S. And so I said, what the heck? And it was the first business that I really did just for the heck of it. You know, it was a side hustle. You know, I was working selling software full time uh, at the time. And I just said, what the heck? I went out and I made it and I spent a little money and I threw it up on Amazon. And holy shit, my first year I got over 8,000 pre-orders. And I was <laughs> like, I better go actually make some inventory. So long story short, I was selling direct to consumer for a couple of years. And then I actually got it into some retail stores like Bed Bath & Beyond and Toys R Us and Home Depot. So how did and you do then, that by yourself, though? How, how did you get in those stores without connections? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I luckily had that 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 experience selling into retail from, you know, those yeah, 10 years before. that they spent in, right? And uh, literally, I just hustled, and I found people's names on LinkedIn, and I called them up, and I got their voicemail, and I left a 30-second elevator pitch. That was Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, Toys R Us was an introduction through 
old family friend that used to work there who introduced me to the buyer. Uh, Home Depot, I think, was doing an open so – it was something open on social media that I went, and I actually had to physically go to China to present my product to them. And they thought wow. I was crazy. They said, no, 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 just send it in. I said, nope, I'm getting on a plane. And I literally got on a plane, got to Shenzhen, China, had the meeting, turned back, came home. I was gone for 48 hours. And it was the difference that they saw. It was the commitment. It was the hustle. And so, um, you know, basically before Shark Tank, I had already sold over 100,000 units just out of my garage doing this on, you know, weekends and nights. And then Shark Tank happened in uh, 2013. That's amazing. So I think that, you know, there's some good counsel there for anyone thinking. I mean, you think about hard work, right? I mean, a lot of us look behind and say, oh, more successful. You know, he's lucky or he's been in the right opportunity or, you know, my company, you know, and they don't realize the hours behind the scenes and the stress and the anxiety and you know, just the the mental anguish there and the determination. And as you mentioned, where it would have been easy for you to say, oh, business is good. You know, I'm getting in Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, I'm getting in these other stores. And Home Depot, they want to reach out. Okay, here's my product. I think you'll like it. But you're now showing, here's the proof in the pudding. I'm going to fly out there. I'm going to present, fly yeah. back. And, and I'm sure that just made a statement alone. And it was really not about, like, there was no major money that was, I mean, you know, money was okay. It wasn't great. But, you know, it was never about the money. It was about doing something I loved, trying to do something to improve or make better the lives of others. And ultimately, it was a hell of a lot of fun and a stepping stone. You know, there was something very unique about this thing. Nobody had ever patented this before. Could I patent it? I can. Oh, my God. You know, it's interesting. I started getting press, bad press, good press. Who cares? You know? You know, there's a great statement, you know, everybody needs haters. They're just like, uh, you know, cheerleaders that have dirty pom-poms, you know. And so, (laughs) um, you know, it it was for me a stepping stone. And that's actually the way I envisioned Shark Tank, too. I was like, you know what? what? The hell, it doesn't cost me anything to try out for this thing. And then when I did try out and, you know, I made it really fun and I was doing my character and you know all this stuff and it was you know I, at this point like, i tried out for season four and i didn't get on i got all the way through and i didn't get on and then season five came around and i tried again and i got through because i had more in sales and whatnot and so even my wife was like why are you doing this again you were so heartbroken last time i said if i if you know there, if i don't do this and try again i'm never gonna you know i'll i'll never forgive myself so you know that persistence really paid off and then at the end of the day you know I always thought, you know, I never, if I, I said to myself, and this is the God's honest truth, and I'm the only one in 12, in 11 years of Shark Tank, they're about to start filming season 12. I'm the only entrepreneur that has ever gone from being on the carpet to actually backstage working full time for one of the sharks. And, you know, and, and people ask me, like, were you thinking that? And I say, absolutely. And they don't believe me. You know, when I got on that stage, I said, if this if this actually happens, I don't I love it, but I don't care about this product. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because my target that I'm setting my sights on are those five individuals that are sitting in front of me. And how do I elevate myself, my career to figure out a way to further my relationship with one or all of them? And that was exactly what I did and exactly what happened. And, you know, I I probably would have given my entire business away for nothing if I knew I could, you know, pursue a relationship with one of them because and I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs who get on that show forget. It's a lottery ticket, man. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're not likable, you can make a deal on air. It doesn't mean anything's going to happen afterwards. If you screw it up, you know, it is a golden ticket, but you've got to be willing to think out of the box and parlay that into something if it doesn't mean your business is getting funded or you're not or you're getting a bag of money. You know, you're get, you get to be on national television for free. Use it. Cash in that golden ticket, right? Heck yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so what's interesting, I mean, before we get into how that evolved, you know, working for one of the sharks, you know, Maury, one thing that you said that's interesting, going back to your earlier conversation, you had said, you know, know your product know the you know know the ins and out of everything yep. you're selling because yep. one thing i think that most people will be intrigued you know most of us are scared to public speak or have some fear of public speaking it's natural now, now you you put someone on shark tank now so now you have producers you have cameras you have lights you have the shark sitting there you know how do you prepare you know we, we know the easy answer is going to be like well know your product you could stand up there but how do you even prepare for that adrenaline as you get up there standing in front of these sharks at the shark tank. And now this is your chance. You you made it from 65000 down to 120. How do we make a mark there? Well, first of all, thank God I had a background in theater. So I really oh, knew how to prepare and be in front of audiences. But I will say this, though. I had been working professionally in, in you know, businesses and pitching, you know, to retailers and to stuff like that for, I don't know, almost 20 years by that point in time, maybe 15 I had never, ever prepared for a pitch the way I prepared for my Shark Tank pitch. I memorized that minute and a half monologue and said it out loud probably 250 times. Because when you get on that carpet, you don't have a cue card. You don't have any notes. There's no retakes. You got it. You, you, you walk down. They put you on that mark. They tell you to stand there for like a minute and a half while they're getting the lights and the camera and all that stuff ready and sound checks and you're not supposed to talk to any of the sharks and you talk about nervousness, man, my underarm sweat hit my feet. Okay. (laughs) And when they say go, you just got to go. And that taught me a huge lesson in business was, you know, prepare your pitch. Don't go in there and wing it for God's sakes, rehearse it, go through it. But the real important thing was knowing my, I knew I had, there, there's no notes. Like I said, there's no calculators. There's no nothing. So when they ask you questions about your margin or your cost, you know, per acquisition or your cost of retention or your, you know, your, 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 your expenses or your whatever. I mean, I had to know all those numbers inside and out memorized in my head. And it's the people that don't, that they immediately realize, yeah, you're not taking this really seriously, are you? Because if you don't know that, how the heck are we going to trust you? You know, so at the end of the day, it wasn't my business that got everybody to, you know, got people excited, got Damon excited. It was the fact that I knew my shit. Mm-hmm. That's what really, and I was, you know, and I was having a good time. I was enjoying myself. I'd done the research. I knew my market inside and out. And he knew that he was going to make an investment in me, whether or not it was this business or something else, we were going to do something together because he understood what my work ethic was. Yeah. Well, I think what's really important there, more. I mean, you talked about, it, it, you know, the questions often asked, how do I public speak? How do I get comfortable? How do I get in front of this audience? Well, you hit that on the head. I mean, anyone, it, it, it's it's the same theme, right? What you mentioned, when you're standing in front of someone, if you've rehearsed, if you've prepared, if you've practiced that, that pitch, that speech, that engagement, whatever it is, and then that likability behind it, you're going to have confidence. You know, you know, your numbers, you know, everything about your company and product. So, so talk to us about, Okay, show ends, it goes, you know, you have the success, it takes off. You know, how does that relationship, you already knew that you were going to work 
I mean, you're the only one in history to work for one of the sharks. So mm-hmm. how did that relationship evolved into what you're doing now? That was not easy, let me tell you. So, you know, all so every shark besides Damon went out. And, you know, they all went out for the same reason. They're like, is this your only gig? I mean, this is like, I don't know. At that point in time, we had done like $150,000 in sales. But they're looking at this one product. They're thinking, okay, 0.1% of the population in the world buys this. You buy it once, you never have to buy it again. And it's sold one month out of the year. Yeah. Shitty business, right? <laughs> so they all kind of said the same thing. Like, is this, is this your only business? Is this all you do? No, okay, because you're too good for that. And, and every shark went. They all said amazing, beautiful things with smiles on their faces. And there's Damon John. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, hmm. I'm the nice you know, Jewish kid from L.A. He's the black dude that started FUBU from Queens. Honey, get the car. We're done. No way, <laughs> right? And then he comes out with it, and he's like, you know – I don't really care. This business is interesting, um, you know, and I'd be willing to maybe go forward if you're willing to license it. I'm like, yeah, no problem. License the hell out of it. I didn't care, you know, and, you know, then he told the story about how he grew up with a Jewish stepfather and how he really admires the, you know, the inclusivity of this product and the message behind it. And he made me an offer. I just took it. So it was he never wanted to be in the business. In fact, he told me after the fact when we met in person like two, three months later. It's like, I don't want to be in this business. You know, what do you, what else are you doing? Is this your only business? I said, no. He said, all right, well, if you're willing to license this out to somebody, I'm happy to give you access to my licensing agent and my attorneys. And I'm not going to take, so, so the money he offered me, I never got. He basically just said, I want to help you license this and then we'll just see what happens. And I don't want to take any equity. I don't want to take any revenue from you. So made the deal I, in literally like two weeks. And it was an amazing deal with one of the biggest Christmas wholesalers out there. And I sent my baby off to college. And every single quarter since then, I go and I collect a paycheck from the mailbox. And it's not huge, but who cares? I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And they're they're taking this thing and rolling with it. But he never offered me a job. That's never how it happened. I drove the poor man crazy until he had no choice. The persistence. I, it, took, it, it literally took about a year and a half. And it was just, you know, I was working a full-time job still selling software enterprise software for you know to retailers licensing it and i would just periodically hit him up you know i was trying to be likable you know and i'd feel i was getting a little annoying and i'd back off and i'd ask him if i could do him a favor and he said yes and i would never take anything for it and then i did another favor and then he's kind of looking at me he's like you know he, he, like in his mind all i did was sell christmas tree toppers he never realized what my skill set was and he had to get to know me because i mean imagine a guy like that is being hit a thousand times a day and what really changed things was um, I went – he invited me to one of his keynotes. You know, He does probably – well, before COVID, obviously. But he was doing probably two, three keynotes a week in front of Fortune 100 companies. And he's got you know, a company called The Shark Group, which is his, which is um, you know, a digital – well, it's like a marketing agency, branding agency and firm that does all kinds of consulting with big brands or whatever. And I remember going – to one of his keynotes and his keynotes are amazing they're like this one man show for an hour and it's really entertaining and i think it was like johnson and johnson and i'm sitting there and i'm watching what's going on he's up on stage he's got his dj in the back you know doing the sound and the lights and the music and whatever and then you got the front row which is the c-suite of j and j corporate and nobody's talking to them and i'm thinking to myself are you kidding me like you got a captive audience with the CEO of a multi hundred billion dollar company right there and you're just shaking his hand and leaving. 
Like what? And so afterwards I came to him and I basically said, Damon, would you, how would you feel about me? You know, kind of, no, nah, I'm not a, I don't want to be salesy. I'm like, I understand. I, I've, you know, Donald, you know, again, he's like, don't you just sell tree toppers? I'm like, let me tell you about what I <laughs> my career. And plus, you know, I, I, I grew up around, you know, a lot of high net worth individuals and I really, you know, celebrities and things like that. So I kind of knew how to work that, you know, those types of people. And I just said, I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit here. And he's like, well, don't you have a job? I go, I do. He said, what about, you know, I said, you know, would you be okay if I tagged along in a few of these? And he's like, what about your job? I said, don't worry about it. So I took a big risk. I started traveling with him um, on my own dime at my own risk. You know, he's posting me on social media. My CEO is like trolling this stuff. I'm begging him to take it down. My wife thinks I'm going to get fired. My friend's like, what the hell are you doing? And I said, you know what? Who gets chances like this? Yeah. I gotta... And then six months went by. And this is the conversation that happens. He sits me down. He says, you know what? I don't understand you. Okay, where else are we going here? He says, you annoy the living shit out of me. <laughs> Getting really nervous here. Okay, what's next? He says, but in the last six months, you've brought in more incremental revenue to my organization than anybody else in my company has for the last four years. So I don't know, man. Quit your damn job. Get over here. And uh, it's been now uh, four years. And That's so amazing. My role, I'm his head of sales and retail, so that basically means I'm kind of the front-end BD guy, business development guy of all the different uh, you know, agency business that we have. I'm bringing in clients, and then I'm also the retail guy you know, because of my extensive experience in retail. So whenever he invests in a product on Shark Tank or even outside of Shark Tank, I'm the one that finds a home for it. So I'm there when they're on set, and I'm you know, working with the entrepreneurs. I mean it's, it's, it's like a pinch-me moment. I mean I'm helping people who were me. And it's a really great feeling to see, you know, to help these people's dreams come true because, you know, I can pick up the phone and, you know, with my relationships and his name, at least get an opportunity. And these opportunities once in a while turn into something huge. And mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's amazing. And he's, a, he's just a beautiful human being, one of my best friends. He's a great guy. That's amazing. So what were some of the things you were doing? Because you mentioned, you know, you had followed them and here you are building this relationship over four years. So what were some of the things you were doing for that incremental revenue, you know, that made him that caught his eye that said, hold on, Maury's here. You know, I have a golden goose in my hand. You know, someone that has a talent, has experience. You know, I need to get this guy on board. I, I, I honestly, I was very, very persistent. I, I, you know, at first, it was just bringing in like I would go to these speaking events that he would have. And before you know it, you know, the the chief marketing officer of the company he was speaking for was in our offices getting pitched by our president. And we were and deals were coming. I mean, I was just bringing in deal flow and none of it was coming to me. I was going out and scratching and clawing. You know what Damon's nickname for me is? Remember Charlotte's Web? Yeah. You remember the little rat named Templeton that used to oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. bridge around the trash can to find a piece <laughs> yeah. of a corn dog? That's what he called me, Templeton. No way. I just, I, I just, I find, you know, I find stuff. And so I was doing that. I was helping him, you know, with some of the products that he invested in. You know, I got a, a drink that he invested in into Whole Foods. I, you know, helped one of his Shark Tank entrepreneurs and, you know, little by little. And then what I really did, which I think, you know, kind of sealed the deal was I took a look at his whole retail portfolio and how he was managing that. And I said, Damon, you got a big problem here. I said, you got like 30 brands and they're all trying to get into Walmart by themselves. And half of them don't even know what a UPC code is. 
So let me bring that all in under an umbrella. Let me manage that. And uh, that's been really successful is, you know, managing all of his brands and getting them all out to retail and getting these retail connections that I've had forever to be involved. And, you know, there's been some really amazing partnerships that have come out of it. So, you know, we've made some good money together and we've had a lot of fun. Well, it's interesting, you know, to be successful, you have to bring value, right? And that's what you did. You looked at a pain point that Damon had. You figured out, okay, how can I solve this pain point? How can I bring him value? And then through that, you know, through the connections and experience you've had, you've built that. You know, and, and you alluded to this earlier in the conversation where you had spoken about how just on your own, before Shark Tank, before you had, you know, the name Damon John behind you, before you had some yeah. of these sharks behind you, you know, you had built relationships with some of these big box stores. Yeah. You know, how with your new role now as you're helping these young entrepreneurs and, and building Shark Group and, and the brand here, you know, what are you doing without giving away your secrets, but how do you continue to open up? that you know those connections how do you continue to build you know that reservoir of database right for new no opportunities to it man it's just i work harder than other people you know i i i'm very active on linkedin i go to a well i used to go to a lot of trade shows a lot because i'll tell you one thing about trade shows you may have to walk twenty thousand steps in a day but if you want to meet an executive from a company who's at that trade show, they're going to be there. Walk up to the damn booth, respect the fact that they are selling, make a quick introduction, exchange business cards, and follow up like crazy. You know, I used to walk away with 50 business cards from every trip that I went on, and then I had this amazing system where I would work with my team to basically digitize all of it and schedule 15-minute appointments with each one of them very quickly thereafter where we could, you know, because getting a business card is one thing. Getting them on the phone, a week later for 15 minutes is a completely other thing. And you know what? Out of every 50 sales cycles, you know, you're lucky if you close one, but so be it. You know, that's the way it is. I love that you shared that. It's funny because I think back to a couple of experiences I've had. So one, you know, you talked about business cards and what's interesting with social media, it's how we can advance things. So as you make connections at these you know, events or networking events or trade shows, where they may be, you can now go connect. So like I you know, there are people I connected with direct. And then now, you know, I post every day, you know, I'm posting content out there. So they're seeing this. So it's a soft sell. It's not in their face. And then yeah. it's amazing how those relationships have been built just by connecting with them. I get their business card, connect them on LinkedIn. There we go. That's someone right there that can see what I'm doing. Yeah. But what's interesting, your, your point about the trade show and the persistence, it's funny. There was a, um, there, there's a company that I wanted to sell their product as part of our umbrella. And I'd reached out to him. I'd gotten the contact, you know, work my way up through the channels, work, to that person and they denied me, denied me, denied me. So I went to the trade show, it was the International Builder Show. I went to their booth, I go find them, they have the name tags on right, I find them and I'm like, hey, so-and-so, and I don't wanna throw them under the bus, but I'm like, hey, I'm Brad, I'm the one that's been calling you, you know, I've been trying to get your business and they look at me and now see me in person, he couldn't turn me down. He's like, Brad, I'm sorry. Let's get you signed up. Here you go. You're good to go. Yeah, so it's yeah. funny how those trade shows do expedite that. Well, and, and, and I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, have you ever been to one of those trade shows and you know, somebody, let's say you're in the buying position and somebody walks up to you and yeah, yeah, yeah. And you exchange business cards. Okay. Give me a call next week. And then they don't call. And you're like, what's the point? You know, what was, why did you even bother? You know, if you're not following up with every single lead that you get, that you really think has something there and doing it quickly, because if you wait three weeks, then it wasn't that important to you, you know? So I think that's a really important part of it is, is, you know, besides the meeting and the introduction, it's the actual follow-up and it's the getting them on calendar and all that type of stuff that's important too. 
Yeah, it is. Very so, important. It, you know, it doesn't happen otherwise. No, I agree. The follow-up is so important to, you know, to close anything and being respectful of your time, Maury, because I know we're, we're running short here. So just as, you know, how are you leveraging social media? How has that made a play with some of the different, are there different social media that you'd recommend for anyone listening that have been more beneficial? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm active, somewhat active on, on, you know, most of the platforms except for, you know, Snapchat and TikTok. I don't, I don't do, but I should. Um, LinkedIn is by far, you know, my, my go-to, uh, you know, it's funny, like Facebook always, you know, Facebook was the first social media platform I got on, but that was like everybody else. I did it to like find my high school friends. And all of a sudden <laughs> now it's like, yeah. I'm getting friend requested by people I don't know. And it's turned into more of like an Instagram kind of thing, which is yeah. kind of weird. Um, so I, you know, I, and, and it's kind of like this weird, you know, myriad of personal friends and family and, and a bunch politics. of like executives and politics. And so I yeah. don't, I kind of feel as if like I need to gut Facebook to really use it because, you know, there's personal stuff on there. I'm still not public. Like I have to accept friend requests. It's, you know, I'm you know, kind of figuring out Facebook again. Instagram for me is, is cool, but it's, it's, you know, it's it's image it's 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 you know sharing fun content doing lives i enjoy that i mean but for who i am and what i do linkedin is my baby you yeah. know it's um you know i was very lucky to be one of the early beta testers on linkedin live and i was active on that um i do try to post uh, most days um you know i it's just an incredible connection vehicle i mean you can you know think about life without linkedin how would you have gotten a hold of people? How would you have even known who they were? You know, now I can basically look up who the director of marketing is for such and such company and find their name. And how hard is it to call the corporate office and ask the receptionist to transfer them to you or yeah. to you to them, you know, or make a connection request? It's just it's just incredible. It's truly incredible. And I find that when you when you really give out advice and you're doing it from the goodness of your heart, you know, at the end of the day, when you do ask for business, people are responding. And, you know, there's, it is, it is work. I mean, I would say the one aspect of social media that I don't take enough advantage of is, is really doing constant video. I mean, you see some of these influencers who, you know, they're, they're being followed by a camera 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. and maybe they use a one, two minute nugget each day. But I mean, that's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work to, to, to film it all, to digitize it all, to transpose it all, to do the subtitles for all of it, to do the images, to keep up and running, to respond to all your DMs, to respond to all your comments. It's a lot of work. And so if you're not able to do it yourself, figure out a way to get somebody to help you. It'd be on LinkedIn. And uh, you've hit if, on you're the not, if you're in business and not on LinkedIn, you, you're not taking it seriously. You're missing out. And, and you and I spoke that as much as we could at the well, conference. It's you know, funny. I, I, met, I met a guy – two days ago really well put together sales guy apparently he came from the um the fitness industry worked with some of the top 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 brands in corporate sales and he's been been at it 15 years right and we exchanged information and i literally went on linkedin and looked to look him up and i'm thinking okay i'm gonna find him in three and a half seconds right there's no linkedin profile i'm like dude are you on linkedin he goes no i really should be i'm like blows my mind that you're not yeah uh, just blows my mind you know it's almost like you know you want to be in uh in in marketing for a certain company but you've never walked into their stores it's you know, crazy 
it's just it's 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 right there for your you know and it's a great resource so and go take advantage of quick connector so i guess in closing more you know what are you excited about what's upcoming for the shark group and yourself that anything that you can share with us um let's see i don't know what i can share i am working on a couple of projects that are really interesting um one is in the alcohol space which is just very innovative and cool and different one's in kind of the cbd space one's in the sugar space um but i am really interested in seeing what comes out of covid meaning more than just ppe face masks and things like that but i mean this whole world is going to just turn on us you know upside down and so i'm working on a few projects there and i think like even when you know shark tank comes out and we see the next season i think a lot of it's going to be products that you know we don't even think about that mm -hmm. you know whatever i mean you know we all tough to touch the coffee cups at 7-eleven maybe now there's something that goes on top of the coffee I, I don't know but there's i i i'm interested to see you know what innovation this mm -hmm. you know if you think about 2008 you know airbnb uber came out of that now unfortunately they're not doing so hot but you know i think there's going to be some really cool unicorns that come out of this but um you know i'm i'm and i'm really excited to see you know what happens with e-commerce because up until now e-commerce has been like 10 percent of consumer product now i mean it's gonna be it's 20 high. maybe five maybe even more so it's you know it's gonna be really interesting and you know i mean because retail is not a fun experience anymore every time i walk into a store and i gotta have my mask on and you know, I'm walking in the line and I'm, you know, 10 feet from this guy and I have to wait outside. It's just not an enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all, you know, transpires and how we evolve. Pivot and innovate, as you've been saying, pivot and innovate, right? So where can our listeners find you? I will tag, you know, you on LinkedIn, you know, your LinkedIn profile. So that'll be on here. Anywhere else, social media handles. Facebook, um, Maury1111 is my handle. Um, it's my birthday. So now you know what to get me. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, some virtual keynotes, which is fun. I'm doing a bunch of consulting, you know, um, doing stuff with Damon. So just, you know, tag me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. Well, I appreciate making time more. Thanks so much for sharing all that info it, with us. You got it, man. Take care, Brad. Thanks for having me. So one of my favorite points there that Maury said, you know, he said, if you're in business and you're not on LinkedIn, you're making some uh, major mistakes. So everyone get on LinkedIn, utilize that platform. It's a great way to network and build your audience. And, and as Aaron mentioned in you know, previously, you know, it's wide open. There's not a lot of great content. So why not take that uh, space, create some elbow room for your company. And as more mentioned, you know, that persistence, you know, how do you, um, you know, first off, none of us are going to ever have the opportunity if we don't make that opportunity um, possible. You know, he mentioned Shark Tank, how you start with 60,000, it narrows down to 100 people, right? And the chances are very slim, but unless you make the effort to be a go-getter and, and do it you're never going to have the opportunity and and why not put yourself out there why not you know ask that question why not reach out to that lead and and follow up and and of course do your homework make sure that you've studied and researched that you're prepared to have an intelligent conversation and by doing so it'll put you in a better position to succeed so big thanks to maury for making time for us again we're going to tag all of his social media handles and of course his linkedin profile go give him a follow and again, thank you all for listening. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, like and comment. And we can't thank you enough for all the support.